0: I'm honored to be here. The more I've been here tonight, I just feel dumbfounded. And uh, a little sadness makes me wish I lived back over here. Louise and I miss London, and uh, we're just thrilled to be a part of the evening. And you honor us no end to let us be here. I want to read one verse, actually, two verses. First, uh, from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, and then I'll read verse. Thirteen. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. And verse 13, So Samuel took the horn of oil, and anointed him, that's David, in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray now for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus by your Holy Spirit to rest upon every mind in this place in order that their perception of what I say will be heard as you intend and applied in such a way that it reflects your heart for this night. Cleanse my tongue that I might be your transparent instrument to say everything that needs to be said, nothing that doesn't need to be said. And May this be life-changing for somebody and a word that brings great honor and glory to your name. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There are three categories of people in politics and in the church. There's yesterday's man or woman, today's man or woman, tomorrow's man or woman. And in verse 1, you have all three described. The Lord said to Samuel, how long were you born for Saul, yesterday's man? since I have rejected him as king over Israel. He's speaking to Samuel, a type of today's man. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons, David, tomorrow's man, to be king. Which would you say you are? Yesterday's man? Today's man or tomorrow's man or woman? Now, when you look at the way it's put in this passage, it's very interesting. Uh, The difference between yesterday's man and tomorrow's man is that yesterday's man still wore the crown, but it was tomorrow's man who was given the anointing. Which would you rather have? The crown without the anointing? or the anointing without the crown. Well, King Saul still wore the crown, even though it was revealed to him, to Samuel, that Saul was yesterday's man, and yet he lived another 20 years. He was king for another 20 years. Nobody would have known that he was yesterday's man. Only Samuel knew. But the interesting thing is, David, teenager, anointed by Samuel, is given the anointing, but he has no following, no mailing list, no platform. He's a nobody. But the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him from that moment. It can be very painful, I think, to be tomorrow's man or woman when you know the Spirit of God is on you but you're having to wait for your time to come. And yet, I think being yesterday's man is probably painless in that nobody in that category would acknowledge that that's what they are. You could not have convinced King Saul he was yesterday's man. Now, I don't intend to give an author call tonight how to become yesterday's man or woman. We don't want to be that. but I want to say four things about them. not because I think such exists here but a caution nobody wants to be yesterday's man or woman and so there are four things that typify king Saul. number one he would not be accountable to anybody i think one of the quickest ways to become yesterday's man or woman is that you are not accountable listen here are the famous last words Of yesterday's man. He says, I am accountable to God. Nobody is that spiritual. We all need to be accountable to one another. Saul was supposed to be accountable to Samuel, but he wasn't. And as a result, because he couldn't listen to anybody, nobody could talk to him. He became yesterday's man. Never will forget, when I was pastor over uh, the road, in Westminster Chapel, there was a particular person who wanted to be a member. He lived in America, known for his prophetic gift. He wanted to be a member of Westminster Chapel. I said, well, you know, you don't even live here. He said, well, Billy Graham was a member of First Baptist Church in Dallas, and he lives in North Carolina. Why can't I live in Texas and be a member of Westminster Chapel? I said, well, you have to attend for six months. He said, well, what if I listen to six months of your tapes? (laughs) Well, you know what? We did it. Put him to the church, you know, voted unanimous. It was a mistake. We shouldn't have done it. As soon as he got what he wanted, he stopped returning my phone calls, and I couldn't get in touch with him. And when I finally did, I said, I don't know what you're doing, what's going on, but if you're not careful, you're going to be yesterday's man. Well, he wept, and I thought, oh good, he's listening. But in a day or so, I knew that he didn't take any of it in. And since in our retirement, that book will forget where it was, when I was told that this man was living a double life, and indeed he is yesterday's man part of the reason he was accountable to nobody are you accountable to others don't say you're accountable to God we're not that spiritual nobody is do you have those who will be unafraid to tell you what you need to hear they know what you are doing or they could call you any moment and say where are you right now what are you doing i thank god for those who will talk to me i've got them my best friends are here in britain and and, and they will say to me how is it with you and louise what's going on i need that you need that a way to become Yes man is that you're accountable to nobody second king Saul put himself above scripture he thought, I'm king, right I? And he felt that he was the exception. Everybody else, yes, they should be in the scripture. But he thought that he was the exception. And you see, this is the devil. He will make anybody think, well, that should apply to everybody else. But in my case, God understands my weakness. I've got this or that. Here's what happened. What led to King Saul being yesterday's man, he was told to wait for Samuel to offer the burnt offerings. For some reason, Samuel was late, King Saul became impatient, and in his own words, I felt compelled to offer the burnt offerings. Someone should have said, your majesty, sir, with respect, I don't think you're supposed to do that. He was, ex- he was going right against explicit scripture in Exodus, Levit- Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He said, I'm king, Mark, not tell me what I can't do. Bring me the burnt of offerings, and when Samuel showed up as it was happening, he said, "You've acted foolishly. Your kingdom would have endured, but it won't now. God has sought a man after His own heart. You see, this book that I'm preaching from—this is the Holy Spirit's greatest product. He wrote it. He has not changed his mind on what he wrote." And if we want to be on good terms with the Holy Spirit, we must know his word and know that he will not lead us today to do anything contrary to what is in the word. I hear a lot of people say, I want a rhema word from God. know, there are two Greek words, translated word. One is logos, one is rhema. Uh, we've got to be careful not to push the distinction too far because sometimes it can be used interchangeably. But generally speaking, Logos is scripture. Rama is like a word of knowledge, a prophetic word. <laughs> Most people, I'm afraid, these days, I see so many, they want a rhema word. Too busy to seek God and get to know his ways. Uh, it's a day when people are in a hurry. They would rather go to McDonald's or Burger King rather than have a meal that we wait for. And so it is. Be careful that you just want a rainbow because you don't have time to get to know God's ways. Remember this, the way to become yesterday's man or woman is to think you are above scripture. Third, King Saul became filled with jealousy and motivated by jealousy after David as a proof of his anointing, killed Goliath. At first,
1: Saul was thrilled.
0: He made David an officer in of the military. Military. But then, when they came into the towns, uh, David had killed Goliath. The women came out and they began to sing. They began to sing. Saul has slain his thousands. David, his tens of thousands. Oh dear. They had no idea what fragile ego the king had. Saul was very angry. This refrain gold. him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, and me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on Saul became so jealous. He kept a jealous eye on David and concerned. You see, here's the thing we better watch for. When another person's gifting, or position, or potential becomes a threat to us and we become consumed with jealousy, King Saul was more afraid of David than he was the Philistines, the the enemies of Israel. And this is how lopsided and distorted we can become. Be very careful when you are threatened by another person so that you want always to put them down talk against them, dangerous. Don't let this happen to you. It can happen in the church. It can happen in politics. But the fourth thing was that King Saul lost all integrity. Jonathan, Saul's son, and David became very close friends. And Jonathan went to his father and said, Why are you so threatened by David? He's your friend. He's not against you. And King Saul said to Jonathan, in fact, swore an oath. Swore an oath to his own son that he would not lay a finger on David. Broke it by sundown. See, this is the problem. We're living in a time when people don't keep their word. But integrity is almost a thing of the past, especially in politics, but in the church. So the issue is often this, and you would never have thought this could be an issue, but I I, I preached around the world now since we retired 14 years ago, and I'm telling you, the issue in many places is character versus gifting. And there are those who say gifting is more important and you wonder why the church is in the shape it is in, certainly in America. It's become so su- superficial and so utterly uh, distant from the things of God, Integrity, God. They say gifting is the main thing. Character is the most important thing. And I would urge anyone here to know that this is what the world needs. Transparent character, honesty yesterday's man lost all sense of integrity but now I want to say four things about today's man King Saul was yesterday's man Samuel a type of today's man the first thing is that Samuel was a man who did not take rejection personally you may recall Israel wanted a king Samuel wondered, big mistake. Please, God is your king. Don't even think about it, don't go there. Ah, said the Israelites, we want to be like other nations. Give us a king. And God said, let them have their king. They have not rejected you, they've rejected me. Samuel might have said to the Israelis, I am not going to find you a king. I told you you shouldn't have one. You're not getting one. But God said, give him a king. And so instead of taking it personally, that they rejected him, and then he realized it was God they rejected, you know, Samuel found the best he could. He looked high and low over Israel and got the best he could find. Don't take rejection personally. Don't take defeat personally. If your eyes are on God, he will see you through. The second thing, Samuel had to be willing to go outside his comfort zone. Here's what God said. Fill your horn with oil, be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. How would you like the task of finding a king when there's already a king, alive and well? Sometimes God makes us do things. He goes right against what we would want. What amazes me is that Samuel was already a legend in his time, and he was an elderly man. You would have thought that God would say, look, Samuel, you've served me well over the years. I want you to go on a long holiday you know? He had to do it again. He had already made his reputation, but now the task before him, having to find Israel a king, and perhaps there are those here, you've already taken your stand for the Lord, and you say, I got in enough trouble once, I'm not going to do it anymore. And remember, we were talking to somebody since I've been here tonight about Arthur Lesson. Uh, if you know anything about us at Westwood Chapel, I was there 25 years, and we invited Arthur Blenson, the man that uh, carries the cross around the world. He's now 75 years old, still going strong. The best decision I made in 25 years, to have Arthur Benson with us. He uh, turned us upside down, nearly lost my job. It was an awful time. It was, it was horrible. And we got through it. And after we got through it, I said, never again. I've shown I will do it. No more. God in heaven said, Really? (laughs) You know, I had to do even harder things over those years. And maybe you're like that. You've taken a stand. You paid the price. You think, No more. You've got to be willing to go outside your comfort zone. In fact, I would go so far as to say, Unless you are continually willing to go outside your comfort zone, you become yesterday's man. See, yesterday's man has nothing to do with age or retirement, being made redundant. Do you know what it is? It's when you forfeit the conscious approval of God. That is what Saul lost. And I can tell you now, Whoever you are, the most beautiful thing you have is the conscious approval of God. Keep that, all is well. Lose it, you're finished. Yesterday's man. Life goes on. You know, someone has put it like this if the Holy Spirit were completely taken from the church today, 90% of the work of the church would go right on as if nothing happened. This can happen to an individual. The anointing can be lifted and you would it go right on as though nothing happened. King Saul had the adulation of the people. He had the following. Or to put it in today's world, he had the mailing list. There are those who are in the public eye not. Sometimes, sometimes, I fear, though they're popular and have high profile, they're yesterday's men. You go right on. All right. What do you have to do to be today's man, first of all? Don't take rejection personally. Be willing to go outside your comfort zone. And third, be willing to admit when you have got it wrong. This is the thing I admire about Samuel. He comes to the house of Jesse. And Jesse at first scared to death, why would you come here? But then Saul, uh, sorry, Samuel assures him everything's fine I've come to, to consecrate and to offer sacrifice. And, and so as soon as they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, the firstborn of Jesse, and says. Oh good, our uh, work is accomplished. Here is the Lord's anointed. This would have thrilled Jesse. Because in ancient Israel, the firstborn got double the inheritance. That was a natural thing for for uh, Samuel to think, well, a firstborn. Jesse brings him out first. This is the one. And then God said, whoa. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. If Samuel were like so many today, forgive me for this, who fancy that they're prophetic, you've heard people say, the Lord told me this, and then when they get it wrong, do they ever apologize? Rarely, if ever. Here's Sandra. He's got the great reputation, but he has to say, Jesse, I got it wrong. Sorry, it's not going to be alive. That's the wonderful thing—the humility of this man. If you make a pronouncement, you stick to your guns and live it. That's it this is the wonderful thing samuel says sorry we'll keep looking and so jesse called in Abinadab and had him pass in front of samuel and samuel said hmm, lord hasn't chosen this one either and jesse then had shama pass by and samuel says well i hope i'm not losing my prophetic gift this is not the one. Do you have any more sons? Oh, don't worry, says Jesse. We got a bunch of them. And all seven pass by. And by this time, Samuel is convinced he has lost his prophetic gift. "I don't know what to say. He's not here." Are you sure? Are these all your sons? Well, we do have one more, but you don't want him. You see, the fourth thing about being today's man: you go wherever the anointing is. And it doesn't matter where it leads you. So they brought in David, who was a shepherd, underestimated by his dad. In fact, David wasn't even told that the great Samuel was coming to dinner. How do you suppose that made David feel? Have you ever been to church and nothing happened, and then you stay home, and everybody says, you should have been there today, the Holy Ghost came down. (laughs) David finds out Samuel's been invited I'm not even told his own dad didn't think David would amount to anything you may feel rejected by an authority figure rejected at home rejected by the church rejected by, by those who you look up to but God knows who you are he'll find you. Jonathan Edwards taught us that the task of every generation is to discover in which direction the sovereign Redeemer is moving, then move in that direction. And this is what Samuel did. Wasn't there to please Jesse? He was not there worried about whether he was going to live or die. He was totally sold out to God, and this is the main thing. He was always on the lookout for tomorrow's man, a woman. Are you so consumed with your own future that you forget there's a nation that will be there tomorrow if Jesus comes? Samuel is looking for tomorrow's man. And I wouldn't be surprised if many in this place you could be best described as tomorrow's man, tomorrow's woman. For all I know, a future prime minister is in this place. A future mayor of a great city is in this place. God knows your name. Who knows but what you have brought and brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. But when you are tomorrow's man or woman, it can be very painful. You see. Nobody knew about the anointing on David. It was was a secret anointing. The brothers knew. Jesse knew. Samuel knew. It was a secret anointing. And perhaps that's with you. Secretly. You've been blessed. And you may think, well, because of the anointing upon me, I'm ready. This is a big mistake. Many years ago, when I was a student at Trevecca Nazarene College in Nashville, I had an unusual experience with God. I've talked about it in one or two books, won't go into it tonight, except my life changed, my theology changed, and and I was hoping my dad would be impressed. i go back to Ashland, Kentucky, where I was born, and announced to my dad my new theology. uh, it was not blessed because it would indicate I'm not going to be in my own denomination and the more I talked he said son you've broken with God I said no oh, closer to God than ever well he said prove to me prove to me that you haven't broken with God yeah, I don't know what to say I'm trying to come up with things well I knew this in those days believe it or not this is true I had some visions I don't have them anymore we said, do. Yeah. old men have dreams. <laughs> <They> have dreams. <laughs> Those days I had visions. And, um, and, and more than one of the visions indicated that one day I would have a ministry to go around the world, an international ministry. Well, I was a Nazarene. We didn't think in terms of world. it was just, you know, get a little local, tiny church with provincial, pro- parochial thinking. And the idea of having a ministry around the world, and I, I shouldn't have said that to my dad, the visions were of God, but I, I was trying to impress him, I'm going to have a, a minister to go around the world, he said when, <laughs> this was in 1956, I said one year from now, <laughs> would you put that right up, yeah, he got out she's a baby I, R.T. Kendall, will, from the day below, have an international ministry. I signed it. Easiest thing I ever did. I thought it would be in three months. A year from then, I wasn't even in the ministry. Five years later, do you know what I was doing? For income? Going up to strange houses. Hello, I'm R.T. Kendall. I've come to show you something new and different for your home. I was a door-to-door vacuum cleaner salesman. My <laughs> <laughs> father totally vindicated. He would come up to my dad and say, Mr. Kendall, how's your son, R.T.? Well, oh, he's working as a door-to-door vacuum cleaner uh, Sorry, what, what, what? I didn't hear you. What's R.T. doing? <laughs> Works as a door I said, Mr. Kendall, how's R.T.? He's working as a door-to-door vacuum cleaner salesman. So humbling. My dad was so hurt. And was, Horrible for me. It was in 1978, 22 years later, on a, a, on a train from Edinburgh into King's Cross that my dad had crossed me and said, son, I'm proud of you. You were right. I was wrong. But I waited 22 years. You may say, well, I, I don't think I'll have to wait that long. I hope you don't david did if only samuel had said oh by the way david I almost forgot to tell you it's going to be another 20 years before you're going to wear the crown oh one more thing you're going to spend the next 20 years running from king saul just to stay alive he didn't tell him that one day at a time david saw the lord victor Hugo, Hugo said Like the trampling of a mighty army, so is the force of an idea whose time has come. If I could paraphrase that. Like the trampling of a mighty army, so is the force of one's anointing whose time has come. Twenty years later, David became king. Greatest king he ever had. His time came. It was worth waiting for. 30 minutes, I'm finished.